0: you are listening to collector's quest i'd like to welcome you guys back i know it's been a little bit about five months But that's because we ran into a few technical difficulties. We had to find a new host. Bobby is no longer with us. That sounds horrible. Bobby is no longer a host on the show because he got an awesome new job. And he doesn't doesn't allow him to do this anymore. But that's fine. That gave us an opportunity to go out and find a new host. And we did. And she is with us today. In this episode, we're pretty much just going to be talking to her. Finding out a little bit about her as a collector and what she's about, what she's doing, and then after that, we will get into our more normal format, which is Kat and I talking about games, collecting what we're playing, retro or modern, and then we're also going to bring in other collectors, and we're going to kind of talk about what they collect, what their point of view is, to give a more rounded sense of collecting, and also just to diversify our information, make sure we're all getting the best info out of this, and always... Uh, tips and tricks, and unfortunately, I'll probably talk about Amiibos. So let's talk to Kat. Hey, Kat, what kind of collector would you say you are?
1: I would say that I tend to want to go for full collections of sets, um, starting with NES, which is almost there except for stadium events. Yeah, so that one's going to be on hold for a little while. Um, Moving on to uh, in the process of completing uh, complete box N sixty four collection, and also getting very close for Sega Master System.
0: Okay, how many? How many which is
1: exciting.
0: How many carts in? Or I'm sorry, you're complete in box for a Master System. Yes. And how many? How many are you in? And like, what are you? Like, what are your collecting goals as far as Master System? Are you going for? um seeing this is uh this is a good example of where we're different since you were in canada i know there are some release variations are you going for um more of a world set or like what where where are you at on that
1: i think the goal right now is just going to be mainly north american releases okay um there are some really cool your your like european releases i would love to get into but right now the focus has been just getting through the North American set.
0: Okay, and how many titles would you say? Do you do you have like a list? How do you go about uh, when you are tackling a full set? How do you go about it?
1: Actually, I go with an iPhone app because I find that is the easiest way to keep track of everything, what I'm missing, what I have, what I might be missing a manual for or a box for or a cart for, and that's really made it easy to collect full sets. So right now there's about... Thirty-two games missing, and if I were to grab my phone and go on my phone, I'd be able to go. Okay, this is what I already have, and this is what I still need to get.
0: Okay, and how many? How many are in the set? Do you do you feel? Um, I mean, there is some debate. Like that's the problem with a lot of these apps. I find, um, as a full collector myself, I look at it and I'm like, well, this list has this in here. That's not a real game. Um, This isn't a real game. That game is not represented here. Um, I have some trouble with a lot of those apps. There's one or two that I really like, but I just find them to be incomplete, so.
1: And they can be, and it can really vary. So for this one, for instance, if I were going to go into it and filter it down to North American releases, it's going to give me the total of, there are 114 American releases. Okay, 114. Yeah, that's now, not right. Yeah, that's close. That's pretty close. So I'd say it's, it's fairly accurate. Um, the NES one, you know, was fairly accurate to um, 677 licensed games.
0: Okay, yeah, that's that's the number I have.
1: Yep, so that's what I'm considering my full set for NES, being, well, 676 of 677, but close enough to being finished.
0: Yeah, it's, um, on the Sega Master System side, I have uh, 114 as my total. Also, I'm curious if yours includes um, Ultima.
1: I believe so.
0: So that, that's interesting, because there, there's some debate on whether Ultima is actually a U.S. release or not. Uh, how do you feel, uh, since we're talking about Sega collecting, I'll, I'll just elaborate a little bit as far as the Master System. Um, within the, the Master System, you can play a Master System game uh, from North America or PAL uh, pretty much on any console um, so that you don't have that region aspect like you do with the NES and the Genesis. So, you. So, sometimes carts come over uh, or people argue about whether a game is in the library or not, whether it was an import, and a lot of this has to do with UPC stickers. Are you familiar with the UPC sticker situation on the Master System?
1: A little bit, but not completely. So, that's an interesting topic.
0: Okay, yeah. So, for the sake of Master System, there are four games, and. This is all off the top of my head, so if I if I get something wrong, forgive me, it might even be five, uh, that have a UPC sticker on them, and they are exactly the same as the PAL games, and the only difference is, is over the barcode, is a UPC sticker was stuck on them, and it's pretty hotly debated on, like, whether it has to have the UPC sticker, um, and the UPC, UPC sticker adds a lot of uh, value to the game, but it's just a sticker and anything could happen, Uh, Some of them, there's reports that some of them didn't come across with stickers. uh, And the big one is Sonic. Um, So like a Sonic with a UPC sticker, for instance, is several hundred dollars, four or five hundred dollars. While a Sonic without a UPC sticker is like 50 bucks. So the range uh, is pretty high. There's also like, I think it's Spider-Man, Strider, and maybe a Golden Axe game, but again, don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, don't quote me on which ones had stickers. I can't remember off the top of my head. But It's
1: interesting how much a difference that makes in the price.
0: Right, and, then there's, and if you don't have it, it is the exact same game because it was simply imported um, from a different, you know, from a European territory, shipped over here to uh, the Northeast, and then distributed um, from Europe. So they just literally put a sticker on it, but it is the same game. Every component of the game is the same except for an exterior sticker on the UPC or uh, over the UPC.
1: Interesting. Now, and I'm sure there's collectors that it's important to them to probably have both versions.
0: Um, Well, yeah, I'm sure, Um, uh, you know, there's some collectors that will tell you, you do not have a full set of U.S. releases if you don't have a UPC sticker. I personally am not in that camp. Um, it's just not important enough to me to, to pay right. a, a couple hundred dollars extra for a sticker that doesn't. It doesn't change the cover art. It's not the interior of the game. It you know it really. I mean, and it also could be easily faked. Luckily, right now that's not like a thing that happens. But um, we had this argument on the forums over at SegAge several years ago. And then I had a friend who. Made me a perfect copy of a UPC sticker just to prove how easy it could be done, and after that oh. I was kind of over it. I was like, okay, that's that's okay, too easy. Yeah, and
1: with today's technology, it's so easy to make something like that without really any effort.
0: Right. So, I mean, how do you know? So, what are we gonna carbon carbon date uh, stickers now, just to make sure their their footprint is accurate? Um, sounds a little outside to me so where where are you on that spectrum are you are you gonna look for the ones with the stickers do you already have them with or are you moving beyond that
1: I think for me I, I kind of can't I'm in the camp that I can't justify the extra X amount of dollars for the same game except one with a sticker and one without for me i would rather put that into other games i don't have it doesn't make sense logically to me because i would rather like i said work towards having a full set as opposed to wanting to have one with a sticker or one without a stick
0: yeah i mean and that i think that makes sense to a lot of people um but a lot of collectors have some expendable money uh, myself included and they just you know they say nope this is it. That's uh, this is the way it has to be, and they kind of lay down the law um, in their opinion um, on, on what this, what collecting needs to be. I'm I'm really anti that um, as a collector. I don't like to to boss people around as far as how collecting goes. Uh, it's a hobby, I believe. You know, people are meant to enjoy it. I mean, look, there there are things uh, the concessions you need to make, like. You've got a near-complete set of nests. Doesn't get to be complete because you don't have stadium events. I would like to. I would like to make the argument that stadium events doesn't count, but I. I mean, I really think it does, and you know, you just have to decide within yourself whether that's important to you or not. Um, you know, who it's and who is that checkbox for, anyways? Uh, right. So, um, but you know, things like stickers. I'm not gonna. I'm not in anyone's face over a UPC sticker. It's just not worth my time and effort
1: no and we all collect different things for different reasons and if we all collected the same stuff that would be pretty boring
0: right uh i agree on on that front and you know I, i do hate when people you know it's a hobby it's meant to have you're meant to have fun but then there are there are a group some groups of collectors that really uh aggressively pursue their own agenda um and you know in the world of sega especially um sega is the king of variants and of mishandling of packaging, uh, there's I have zero confidence in what Sega did throughout the the 80s and 90s as far as consistency of packaging. They had several different plants. Uh, manuals were different. carts wound up different. Sometimes label art was different. Box types were different uh, on a game depending what came plant came out. The quality of the labels. Uh, you know, uh, what inserts were in there. I've opened two sealed games from different plants and found different things inside of them um, for the Genesis. So, you know, the world of Sega is kind of a dangerous place and getting hung up on something like a sticker, um, you know, trying to exclaim it as law is wrong. However, having said that, I I do believe the sticker does add some value. I'm not going to say, oh, it shouldn't add value. I mean, obviously, it it is a more, it is more rare to find one with a sticker. So yeah. And then that's the other side. I'm not, I'm not telling those guys, no, your stickers is is total bullshit. It doesn't count, uh, which discount your opinion on that as well. I just happen to not agree with it. And I'm not going to let that rule my collecting world. Right. Okay. So you are going for master system, complete in box and64 yeah. complete in box and you've already got a near complete Nintendo set what else what is that the kind of two you're focusing on right now or where are you moving forward?
1: The main focus right now, finish up the Master System, keep working on the N64 um, set about halfway through, maybe a little better than halfway through now, so it's it's coming. Um, I do collect some Game Boy, some Game Boy Advance, so I would like to pursue that, but I want to try and focus on two things right now, because for complete sets, I find it a lot more manageable to pick something to focus on. Now, having said that, if I come across a great buy for something that's Super Nintendo or Game Boy or Game Boy Advance, I'm obviously going to pick it up, but I'm probably not as actively going to pursue that until I've finished off these two sets. Okay. Um, And I guess uh, I have not done a good job
0: of uh, asking you questions about who you are as a collector, uh, who you are in general, like how, how long have you been doing this, where you're from, uh, so, kind of introduce yourself to us, like, um, besides just you as a collector. let you know, um, how old are you? How long have you been collecting? How did you get started?
1: All right. Well, I'm 27, and of course, in Canada, on the East Coast, so not in Toronto, as everybody tends to go to first. Um, I've been collecting for a little over five years now. Um, it started off with an array of things I kind of collected all across the board. Uh, now I've Kind of narrowed it down, been able to focus. Um, I'm married, so that's a good point too. My husband also loves games, which makes it a little bit easier to collect because there's not the you spent what on that game.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's nice when uh, your husband's like, oh yeah, you got a good deal. You only spent that much, rather than you spent how much.
1: Yeah, and I think that makes it a little bit easier I've heard some horror stories about, you know, one half of the relationship not collecting And maybe not being as okay with it Or not understanding why it's done or why certain games are rare So certainly having that understanding makes it a lot easier to collect yeah. So that's definitely made it a little bit more interesting It's um, an interesting dynamic to be able to, you know, go out and hunt um, for things together. There are some things that, you know, one of us likes and the other one doesn't. So it's not like we necessarily have the same interests in everything that we collect.
0: So you guys, you guys collect a little bit differently as I would, you guys, do you guys band together? Do you focus on right now? You said you're looking at master system. Do you guys both focus on master system or is that something you're mainly doing and he's doing something else do you guys is it disparate or is you guys come together as kind of a collecting team
1: um well i would say that john probably likes the master system a little bit more than i do um he hates the n64 so i would say that even though he is collecting for that i would say that i'm more so collecting for that than him
0: okay that's fair
1: uh he hates it i think that would be his least favorite system so it, but it's interesting though, even though it might be something that I'm not interested in or he's not interested in. You know, we would never turn down a good deal. He would never see a good N64 game for a great great price and be like, nope, not getting that.
0: <laughs> oh, so so he he still understands the value of uh, of the collecting for the you know a uh, good deal. He understands a good deal when he sees one.
1: Exactly. Uh, so that that's kind of nice to have too because. I don't have to explain my position being like, hey, I like this and you hate this, but I'm going to collect it anyway. It's just like, okay, if you'd like it, collect it.
0: So uh, let me ask on uh, the N64. So does he inform himself? So if he walks into a shop and he sees some N64 games, does he know what a good deal looks like? Or does he let you just, is that just, you know, cat? you figure it out. I don't, I don't want to ingest any N64 information
1: no he's not that averse to it it's not like acid or he's not going to go in the rain and melt but like he'll he has the same app on his phone as i do on mine which shows what we're missing or what we don't have so you know he knows if that's a good price or if it's not a good price or you know if he sees something that same as me something i've never really heard of or, or not come across much you know we'll take out our phone and google it and see what is this is it rare or is it hard to come by or is it just a common game we might not have got as much in canada as say wasn't the states
0: um... let's see what else was I gonna follow up on this master Uh, how long have you been focusing on master system right now like you guys have been collecting for five years but how long have you been pushing at master system
1: master system has only been more of a recent thing um... when we got we collected a little bit through getting the nes stuff and then when the nes was a little bit closer to being finished master system kind of became more prevalent more on a hunt you know it was easy to shift focus because it wasn't you know the nes was the baby let's get that done first so a lot of it has come together um probably more so within the last year
0: okay and which
1: has been interesting
0: (laughs) how long uh well let me ask is your husband older than you are
1: uh 28
0: okay so you guys around the same age so how did you guys because you guys uh according to my math are kind of outside the nest window as as kids. I know everything comes a little slower to Canada, but I mean it can't be you know eight years <laughs> off. Um, so how did you how did you guys pick Nintendo? Because I would assume you would be more in the you know Super Nintendo range, uh, you know that cusp of Super Nintendo and N sixty four.
1: And you're totally right, we are a little bit in terms of when it came out, definitely. it predates both of us. We're you know i'm eighty eight and he's eighty seven um so for me. I have a couple cousins that are a little bit older than me and have always played video games. So I can remember going to my grandmother's house and there being a Nintendo and there being an Atari. So I get exposure to that, those games through them. So it was that having somebody who's a little bit older to be around versus, you know, what would have been my first game system had I not had that exposure.
0: Okay and um what was your first like your personal first gaming system what was the first thing you ever got
1: the first thing i ever got was a super nintendo
0: okay what did you yeah. get with it
1: oh my god i can remember playing mario kart i know that i got it i didn't get it at christmas uh my birthday's in june i remember getting it at june and i don't remember everything that i got with it but i know my friends would come over and we would play mario kart for hours
0: uh, so you're June baby, yes. Um, so you got it, got it in the summer. That's interesting because especially back then, the the trend in gaming was, you know, uh, summers were slow months uh, for gaming. That's changed a lot now uh, as people have bigger summertime releases. But it used to be a complete dead zone for gaming. So that's yes. rich, interesting time. So maybe your parents got a deal on a Super Nintendo.
1: And I'm thinking that risk. might have been what happened. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, as a collector, I value a deal, Uh, you know, so do you still have that Super Nintendo? Is that something you kept? Or is that something you pitched and came back to collecting later? Like, how did you get back into collecting? Or did you were you a, a hoarder as a small child as well?
1: I wish I was. I wish I had more of my original things because I think it would be so neat whenever I, you know, talk with people on Instagram or wherever it might be, and they say, you know, I have this and this and this and this, and I have this box from when I was younger. I think, oh man, I wish I had kept some of my stuff. Really, the only thing I have um, from collecting was my original N64 and my original Donkey Kong 64 cart. I think because I was old enough to kind of have a say, if it was held on to or not with other things, you know, I might've lost interest or wanted a new system, you know, when the N64 came along and I think it was just like, okay, well, we can get rid of this now. She'll never notice.
0: So did your parents do that cruel thing where they like forced you to sell it at a garage sale, um, you know, or trade it in to get a new system or did it just kind of go away?
1: It just kind of went away. I'm quite sure it got probably given to somebody,
0: uh, well, I mean, at least it went somewhere, I guess, and not just sold to, like, a game. at least you didn't trade it into GameStop for pennies on the dollar.
1: Exactly. So, it, you know, in hindsight, I really wish I had had more of the things that I had, that I had, you know, still had the box for my N64 that I had. Or, you know, I had tons of N64 games. To be able to have some of the things that I had as my originals, I would have liked to. I'm not sure why Donkey Kong was the only one that survived with my original N64, but it was.
0: And what color is that N64? Is it the
1: jungle green? No, pop? it's just the basic gray one. You
0: just got the 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 basic the base model not even a, a fantastic color
1: no it wasn't even a fantastic color it was one the one that came with the two controllers the gray and the purple
0: oh so you at least you got the atomic purple in there as well
1: exactly and it was nice to have two controllers but no no fantastic series no watermelon no jungle green nothing interesting of course
0: yeah that's mine was uh i bought my n64 as an adult so that was weird uh It was the first console I actually bought as an adult, you know, someone over 18. Right. Um, And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I guess I'll go buy this. I'm out of high school and my friends have it and it's fun. So I I really want to play Zelda. So I didn't even buy it early. Uh, I didn't buy it until Zelda came out. And, uh, you know, it was just a gray one. And then, you know, much later I found out Toys R Us put out a gold one. And I was just, you know, really upset that I had this ugly gray gray one and not the gold one. I don't even like gold. I think gold is really like an ugly color. Uh, yeah. Like I don't like my wedding ring is not gold or anything. It's uh, like a silver. Um, so yeah, but for consoles I love them in gold and their controllers. Yeah, all the Zelda gold uh is pretty funny. I, my iPhone is even gold cuz it reminds me of Zelda
1: oh my goodness so yeah you can you can deal with it in that form right right
0: right i just don't want i don't want to wear it also i put a case on the back of my iphone so i I don't see it that often
1: fair enough
0: so um you've been collecting for about five years like what was the impetus for that how did you how did you start was it when you met your husband or like had you guys already been together and then decided to start collecting or was this something you both kind of did like how did that happen
1: well, we had been together a little while, and um, we've always played, both played games, we've always liked games, It, you know, we'd sit down and we'd play games together, um, and we were actually, both of us were living in Ontario at the time. Uh, we came home to visit uh, both sets of our parents, because his parents and my parents live here, and one of our friends had dropped off a couple NESs, a stack full of games, I don't know, 20, 25 games, some controllers, and said, here, you have this, and we thought, okay, well, this is great you know, and plugged it in, you know, played some Mario Bros, all that stuff, and then it was like, oh, there were so many great games that we can remember playing, and I can remember playing, and it it just wanted to have those memories back, so it just kind of seemed natural to start collecting, and being in Ontario, it was quite easy to, at that time, to find NES games, and to collect things, and at that point, my collecting wasn't focused, it was like, we're going to collect atari and we're going to collect super nintendo and nes and n64 and game boy and game boy advance and virtual boy and genesis and everything it was just you not were focused just, you
0: guys are <laughs> like games are great let's get them all you exactly He tre- treated them like pokemon and just we're after it huh
1: yeah we had to have them all
0: okay um yeah that's uh that is a rookie mistake
1: Look yes oh my that. god looking back now yes
0: yeah, uh, I mean, and that it's not uncommon, um, and that's kind of some of the stuff we've co- covered previously is uh, about collecting. And for any of you new collectors out there, it is a tip. Try to focus. Yes, don't pass up a deal. That's not what I'm saying. If you find a great deal on an expensive game, if you find a $200 game for $50, pick it up. But maybe, maybe sell it or trade it uh, to the actual thing you want to collect. Um, and that's kind of an important lesson is to have goals, have a list and be focused, kind of know what you're collecting for. Uh, because I, I feel like a lot of people start out like you, um, you suddenly get a case of the feels all of a sudden you got nostalgia going strong and then you're just exploding. You're like, okay, there's so many games everywhere. We can get them all. If we just, if we just have the money and don't eat, we can just buy everything. And uh, then suddenly you've got uh, you do look like a hoarder because you've got an unorganized mess. You're like, okay, well, how do we store games for 14 or 17 different systems? Uh, some in box, some in cart, just carts only. How do we do this? Like, where do we put them? How how do we organize them? And I mean, these are these are real life challenges when you are a collector. Uh, so yeah, try to try to say, hey. This is the system I like. Maybe pick another one. I I think it's important to to be if you are you know collecting in large quantities to kind of have two things that you like just to avoid burnout. That's like a real thing that happens. It's um, kind of so you can split your focus a little bit, but you don't want to go more than that. Like two, three. If you're incredibly disciplined, uh, or, you know, or if you've decided everything Nintendo is your way to go, hey, great. But you know when you start getting into like right now, you're kind of all over the board. Uh, I mean, you're focused now, but if you were looking at like Atari, N64, and NES games, and then Sega Master System, like how do you like, how do you tackle that as a problem? Suddenly, your list of games is in thousands, and, you know, just approaching uh, that suddenly becomes a very daunting task, and, and that's not like for everyone who's just completing sets either. Take a moment, breathe, say, oh, you know, maybe make a list of your favorite. You can collect for 40 different systems if you decide, I, I just want these games, but if right. you're going for sets, you know, it, you just make your you make the mountain too big, uh, you know, baby steps.
1: Exactly. And I, I think now I think back and go, well, it makes more sense to me to collect, you know, for the full sets that I want. You know, like you said, a couple sets at a time, because there are those times where, you know, for one set, you're just buying common games and that's all you're coming across and after a while that gets kind of boring it's nice to have something to, else to look for to find you know that perfect game but I think the hardest thing is is that you get something that's really cool for another set you're not avidly collecting getting to a point where like you said you can sell that or you can trade that and put the money towards finishing the set you're currently working on or the sets that you're working on
0: yeah and it it is important because like I said it just it can be too much. Um, there's only so many copies of NBA Live that one person needs to own. Um, and that's kind of a challenge with, like, uh, once you get past the Nintendo and you get into Super Nintendo and 64 you get sports games that have iterated upon themselves for, you know, X amount of additions through the console's life. Um, yes. And that wasn't really something that happened very much on the Nintendo. Um, so that's kind of the nice thing about collecting NES games. Uh, you know, I mean, aside from like what bases loaded in RBI, you don't really have too many sports series that were in large multiples. Um, yes. when a new version of a sports game came out, it kind of like came out with a reason. Um, not just because the calendar year flipped, um, or the new season started. Yes. Um, sorry. I'm not, not all about, uh, the sports ball games. Just, uh, they're just not, not my cup of tea.
1: No, I I can agree with that. I mean, we only need so many copies of baseball or whatever whatever it might be for one console.
0: Yeah. Do you guys baseball in Canada anymore? I know they, like, took all of your teams.
1: <laughs> I honestly don't follow you, any you, sports. You don't.
0: You follow no sports. Okay. Well, I follow
1: no sports.
0: <laughs> well, it's a good thing that this is not a podcast directed towards sports.
1: Exactly, because I'm in Canada, and I can definitely not skate.
0: You can't, oh, you can't. See, yeah, in America, it's like skating wouldn't be the first thing said. You're like, I can't play sports because I can't skate. Um, so are you cold where you are right now? Just because you're in Canada, I assume you're cold.
1: Well, it is getting colder. I mean, uh, I'm going to hope that we don't have any snow for a while, but that doesn't mean that we won't have snow. Um, it's not real warm here right now. I think it's currently about nine degrees out.
0: Wait, what the hell? Nine? nine?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. My iPhone says it is 10 degrees. <laughs>
0: okay um it is probably 85 degrees in my office right now and that's because it's poorly insulated but the temperature outside and mind mind you it's a little earlier here um than than where you are but it's still like let's see weather what do you tell me um well i don't care about that yeah it's uh where i am it is 75 degrees outside
1: oh my goodness and yeah it, just a little warmer
0: it will be 93 degrees tomorrow and 99 degrees on friday
1: oh my goodness so if we put my 10 degrees celsius into fahrenheit that makes it 50 degrees fahrenheit here
0: yeah well see there you go you just said canadian things that us americans don't understand fahrenheit i'm sorry what Well, we don't <laughs> and we also don't metric system i know uh, which is i mean i could go on about why that's a tragedy and why like why why do we do things in, in measures of twelves and when you can just use the metric systems in series of tens? Uh, yes, life is a lot easier when you're going by ten. But apparently that was hard for us. Um, so, uh, knowing that you are in Canada and you are facing a lot more extreme weather than I am, I, I mean I can go to a garage sale pretty much year round. How do how do you how do you find games? Like where do you go? um to find games like do you garage sale is it all ebay how do you go about hunting
1: um it does go a lot of thrift stores a lot of yard sales of course like you said that is kind of limited more so with weather but um there will be some yard sales for probably the next you know half a month or so um throughout the winter there's a couple huge indoor flea markets so that's kind of a great way to do that um of course kijiji which is like your guys's craigslist Okay. Um, that's another really good one, too. So finding online listings for games and stuff. Try and avoid eBay being in Canada because it kind of takes a kicking with shipping and exchange rate and import charges. And that,
0: that kind of leads us to an interesting place. Uh, I know uh, that kind of things have been going on in Canada. One, you've you're, the value against the dollars kind of flipped. Um yes. It went down. And then I know eBay started, or not eBay, the postal service between our two countries started to raise the price a little bit, but you were also saying something, what else happened? Like what else is, um, you know, aside from the strength of the Canadian dollar and the new um, increase in shipping, what else has happened?
1: The import charges that eBay now has are a huge thing, something we didn't used to see before. So not only now are you buying a game of U.S. dollars and, of course, adding in the exchange rate, but you are also paying the shipping, whatever it might be, and that has inflated some. And now an import charge. So that could be any, you know, I'm sure there's Customs Canada has a scale for determining how much that's going to be. But that's another thing you're adding on top of everything else.
0: So, like, what what is this like? This is it a just like a tariff that happens now. Like, a, this the import fee. Like, how much? It's not set. Just a, a, does it go by value? How how does that work for Canada?
1: It usually, well, our customs usually go by some sort of value scale, so you can go into a customs calculator and kind of see what's going on. Um, I haven't honestly ordered a lot off eBay because of the import charges. Um, obviously, as amounts for games seem to get more expensive, they tend to go up. So a $120 game um, listed on eBay right now is twenty two seventy five for import charges and $12.90 for shipping.
0: So just uh, you want this $120 game. Uh, them versus the dollar, and I'm not sure where you are guys are versus the dollar uh, right now. I think it was like 76 cents last time I saw. Uh,
1: yeah, so $119 U.S. is $155.46 Canadian.
0: And then 22 more, is that, that $22, is that Canadian or is that an American value?
1: That's an American, and okay. so is my $12.90 in shipping.
0: So suddenly you are now looking at... A hundred and seventy dollars for a game that was just like a hundred or a hundred and fifty dollars for a game that was just like a hundred and nineteen dollars. And like yeah. that's like one hundred eighty Canadian. Yep. Wow. That is So a... it
1: really adds up, so things that were an option are not an option anymore.
0: And and how is um because I've never just used eBay exclusive to Canada, um I know it has, you know, ebay.ca um so do you you still use that do you still utilize ebay within uh within canada or is that still kind of a pain as well is it just easier not to
1: i tend to go to ebay.com really the only benefit i've seen of the canadian one is that you can see it in canadian dollars um but I ten, find it tends to be a little bit more limiting in showing me things sometimes. Like sometimes I can't get the same search results. Okay. Yeah. That's so that's kind of a, a headache. And it, sometimes my computer will automatically reroute me to ebay.com.
0: Oh, okay. That's uh, just everything's working against Canada. It's cold, yeah. It's cold and it's expensive. You're really selling it for me
1: yeah I know it, it, it makes it harder and, and it's so frustrating too because even if you can find a good person who is going you can buy games with the the issue too is that it might be a really great price in US dollars, but it's not a really great price by the time we put it into Canadian dollars.
0: right. okay so
1: that has its own kind of logistics of how do you like you're limited you really can you buy outside of Canada?
0: That, uh, that is kind of, that is crazy that it's that much. And that's, that's recent. Is that in the last year you would say that's happened or?
1: Um, yeah, I don't remember the import charges being around like for a long amount of time. Like I said, I've never bought a ton off eBay, but I I think this has been a more recent thing. Okay. So it really makes it, you know, like really much more difficult. It was bad enough that, you know, you paid shipping and stuff that was inflated and you're paying the exchange rate. But that on top of it is just it's too much.
0: And now do you guys have to pay import fees out as well if you sell?
1: Um, Usually if you sell it like when we send it to the states, um, my understanding is like we don't pay anything, but the person that we're sending it to could. So when I go in, I just pay whatever. So let's say the postage is twelve dollars or fifteen dollars. I pay that. I declare what it is, um, and then I send it on. But I don't prepay any import charges on my end.
0: Oh yeah. That, see, I just I, I just bought something from Canada. It just came today. It was uh, very disappointing because I bought a an amiibo, and I know um, from talking to you that you do not collect amiibos, correct? That is correct. You and why do you not want to waste your money? On small plastic items. Do you guys have a Wii U or?
1: We do. It's wonderful. But as opposed to spending my money on small plastic items, I want to spend it on games.
0: But how will you worship your small plastic totems if you don't buy them?
1: I will just go to somebody else's house and worship their small plastic items.
0: Just not even one amiibo?
1: I think we do have one in the game room. I'm pretty sure we have a link in the game room.
0: Oh, see, yeah everybody everybody has at least one but as be. far as
1: avidly i i don't foresee that you're, happening. you're
0: not not a collector of amiibos you are just someone who happens to own one amiibo
1: exactly and that one amiibo is not going to turn into like 30 amiibos i'm pretty adamant right. on that
0: okay yeah you've put your foot down Have you've told your husband there will be no amiibos in this house
1: uh, luckily, he is he is good with his one link, and he has really no interest in the amiibos, which uh, is good. Leaves more money for games.
0: <laughs> okay, all right? Yeah, we all have to have limits. I don't know what those are yet. I'm still, I'm still finding mine, as I do own several amiibos. And the one I got today was um, the modern color Mario. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know what that one is, but it's no. I'm
1: a, googling it now.
0: <laughs> it, it's uh, it looks like an eight-bit Mario, and uh, it was released here in uh, only in consoles, in the Mario Maker console box, um, and I don't know if it's going to be re-released later, but I was like, oh yeah, I'll just grab it from Canada, because they were sold on the shelves there. Right. Uh, and I got it, it was like $30 uh, total, or $32 US uh, shipped, which isn't so bad, um, except it just arrived bent, so... Uh, But I I didn't have to pay anything. The point of all that is I didn't have to pay anything. And um, we on the show are fond of, were fond of complaining about Amiibos. And uh, because there always seems to be some kind of something going on with Amiibos. Someone is always unhappy. uh, Be it from port strikes over here on the West Coast. Or, you know, Nintendo's low print run of them and their uh, falsely generated rarity. And, you know the poor handling of major box stores to uh, to distribute these Amiibos. I think these things have gotten better. So in the last podcast, that was like six months ago, five months ago, we were complaining about it, but good news, it has gotten better. Um, except Nintendo has now just done this um, cruel, ugly thing where it boxed Amiibos in a Skylander set. Um, so you have Bowser and Donkey Kong who are... In the new Skylanders Superchargers game, and there's also a dark edition of them. So, to clarify, these are not Bowser and Donkey Kong are not in the same box. You have to buy; they they come separately, in a in a different package of the complete starter pack of the game. So it's like a hundred dollars for each one. So you will have to buy this game four times to get all the versions. And I think they are just reskins of the existing Bowser and Donkey Kong amiibos that are out there. Uh, but, you know, they, both of them, Bowser and Donkey Kong, both have two different paint jobs. And, uh, the other big thing about that, why this is kind of a problem right now, is, um, the game is terrible. Like, some people like Skylanders. Uh, I don't know those people. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and I'm not gonna, I don't have a very high horse to climb on, as I'm telling you about amiibos, but, um, you know, I, I not, never got into this Skylander thing. I do like uh, Amiibos because they're, you know, small totems of Nintendo characters I love, and and that's cool to me. Um, Skylanders, I don't, you know, outside of Spyro, I don't know who or what they are, and they don't matter to me. Um, anyways, though, <laughs> this game is really bad, I guess. It's getting panned by all the critics, and you would have to buy four starter packs to get it, so you would have to own... This game four times. I guess you can buy the Wii or the DS version, which are kind of stripped down, different versions of the game. Uh, they had to do it for hardware differences. So I guess you could limit it to two, two games, but still four purchases. Um, sounds pretty awful to me. So there's your amiibo news. Uh, I, knew, I know you were just dying for that cat, and you know about amiibos. Um, I know.
1: I was just. I just. I had to know that. Really, like it was urgent. Yeah.
0: Well, you know. Uh, here in Amiibo land, that's uh, that's all we talk about, is why Amiibos are the worst thing ever. Uh, something uh, interesting that we we both know about, though, that has been going on for, I don't know, a month and a half or so, it's uh, an interesting phenomenon that happens in games, and that is um, a famous, uh, I use famous really loosely right there, uh, a known uh entity talks about a game um, and then suddenly causes a price a price spike example if uh, you know angry video game nerd talked about a game said go buy this uh, you know or don't buy this it would suddenly become very popular and it would cause the price to to bump and that just happened who did that just happen with uh, What what you were telling me about it earlier
1: my understanding is it happened with pat and ian talking about it on their youtube cat like podcast
0: and for what game
1: for jackie chan's action kung fu
0: okay um so a little bit about that game how expensive is that game right now like card, card only card only like in your collection um what what is it worth
1: well, right now, I've pulled up some eBay listings, as we were talking about, and it's anywhere from 119 U.S., 124 U.S., just for the cart.
0: Just for the cartridge. Now, mind you, this game was, like, three months ago. How expensive was this game?
1: Oh, it wasn't. We used to be able to find listings $30 and under, was my experience.
0: Okay, yeah, I think I I'm pulling up on my program... Uh, my Jackie Chan when I bought it and I can tell you it was let's, and mind your mine's complete in box so that does affect the cost a little bit but, of course um, 51 no that's the value I put it at I, I bought it for 32 dollars complete in box and this was on 131 2015
1: So that is a massive price difference, considering I'm looking at one listed on eBay right now, complete in box for $399. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's uh, quite a jump. And that is kind of, you know, collectors, it is something to be afraid of, uh, these bubbles that happen. Now, will Jackie Chan come down in price? I know this happened about a month and a half ago, but it still appears to be selling in the plus $100 range. And here's the unfortunate reality. Anytime one of these big guys talks about a game, the price spikes. It usually comes down a little bit. But it never goes to pre-conversation levels. The price is forever artificially inflated. Uh, so that's just kind of something you have to worry about. Have you experienced and I think that before?
1: Luckily, I haven't had anything really happen like that. I haven't had it inflate and then had bought something, which is Good, but I think if I were connect, collecting now, seeing what the price... And this had been a game that maybe I was actively pursuing and seeing what the price had been not long ago versus the price had been now, I think it would be a little hard to swallow.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a jump, and you know, it's uh, just something for all of you guys who are collectors to be out there and kind of be aware of that it is a phenomenon. And the only way to really kind of find out about these things is... Um, You know, to be a member of uh, some sort of gaming community, have friends looking out for it, or you know, subscribe to their channels. Not that I'm recommending them. If I was going to recommend anybody, I would recommend a a show called My Gaming Life. Um, I I like their their slant; they're more historians and personal experiences, which is more how I lean towards video games. Video games uh, caused a lot of great memories for me, and I like to collect them um, on a historical access. Um, axes and kind of examine them from that light uh so yeah my gaming life if you guys have a chance i would i would check them out They're they're pretty interesting they you know they're not movie stars or anything but they they do have a little bit of a budget they're working with and um you know they also have a lot of good information especially for uh getting the most out of your nintendo as far as uh video and how to how to get a clean image the best way to do that like via SCART cables and um, or running it through through splitters or converters. Um, they, they have some really good info on that. So if that's something you're interested in, like uh, playing, playing your Nintendo on a modern TV and getting the best image, I would definitely recommend you go check out their videos.
1: And that's a really neat thing, too, because there are some games that look pretty terrible on a modern TV.
0: Uh, yeah, like every single one of them that is... Uh, Like eight bit, some of the sprite stuff looks okay, but uh, man, it gets uh, any 3D. Like if you put in Final Fantasy VII right now, for instance, ugh, just or Wave Race, it's uh, it's pretty hard to look at. It's not you know, it's just the technology has moved away from that, Uh, you know. And TVs have gotten much bigger since then. Back then, you know, 32 inch TV was gigantic now if you told me your tv was 32 inches i'd be like oh well that's cool i guess if it's in your room and it and you're right next to
1: it yeah know. it's not something you hear you know everybody right. wants the bigger tv they want you know and something new comes out we have to have it right
0: right uh bigger better uh, yeah. america yeah. <laughs> or i don't know does that work in canada do you guys go canada do you guys well, we have that here
1: uh, you... <laughs> no i think that's an america thing
0: okay you guys are aware of that in canada as well Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, America.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. It,
1: one... it, it becomes a joke sometimes. Uh, okay,
0: yeah. Well, you know, whatever. I'm in sunny California, and you can rot in the cold.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah. and you've got all the good games down there, and we have nothing uh, up here.
0: <laughs> oh, all the good games? I, I Somehow you managed to nearly complete an asset, which I have not yet done, um, in the cold northeast. So uh, I think you're doing all right. You must be doing fine up there.
1: Well, it, it, uh, I think for me, too, it was starting collecting at a good time. I know it's gotten a lot harder to find things here, especially. It's, and I know that retro gaming is big everywhere, so it's harder to come across, you know, the good finds and the deals. Um, but I think that's just an across-the-board problem. I'm, I'm glad I started collecting for NES when I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you picked uh, a good-ish time five years ago would have been a, uh, a better time but yeah uh, you are at least ahead of a lot of the curve so I think this is a pretty good place to wrap it up I want to thank everyone for uh, listening and sorry for the delay but Kat it's been great to talk to you and yes. uh, I'm glad you are when you co-host and we can move on and kind of kind of get into the new format that we were talking about where we'll be talking to other people and it won't just be you know an interview or it won't be my monologue to questions uh and we can talk about more what's going on in the video game world. We're going to focus a lot on, you know, collecting as a whole, not just not just Nintendo, even though clearly we're kind of Nintendo people, but also Sega people. Um but you know, we want to talk about also modern some modern collecting because there's a lot going on with that and we want to like I said, we want to bring some of those people in and if you happen to be an expert on something like if you were the world's best game gear collector, which I know you're not cuz I know that person. Um <laughs> But if you think you are, uh, we might like to talk to you. You got anything to add to that?
1: No, I'm just looking forward to uh, getting to chat with other collectors, getting everybody's point of view, and, and just sharing our experiences because everybody collects differently. And it's neat to get somebody's perspective who collects something different or maybe a little bit more unusual for where we live or what we collect.
0: I couldn't agree more. That's going to be our show. Go ahead and look for us every two to three weeks. Right now it's just going to be on SoundCloud. But I hope to have us back up on iTunes uh, within a month. Thanks. One last thing. If you don't, please follow us on Instagram. I'm Johnny underscore I-U-C-C-I. And Cat is Catsylvania. And that's K-A-T-S-E-L-V-A-N-I-A. It's like Castlevania but with cat in front of it. So go ahead and uh, give us a follow there. And if you think you would be a great guest on the show, go ahead and send me a direct message on Instagram and let me know why, or you can send it uh, to my email at gameoverjohnny.com. Thanks again for listening.